0: Welcome to a single-serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating. How to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating, and I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see i'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives the negatives and all the parts in between and hopefully laugh about them too thank you so much for joining me hello and welcome to my podcast thank you for listening to me talking to a microphone i find that amazing I am joined this week by a writer and professor named Laura Worrell. And the reason she is on this podcast this week is that one of you shared her work in the Facebook group. I read her piece on Huffington Post about giving up on love, which I will link to in the show notes, obviously. And as soon as I read it, I felt like I needed to talk to Laura either on a microphone for you guys or just like for myself in life. And I connected with Laura. She is amazing. We had such a wonderful discussion. Honestly, I probably could have had this run like double the length of time, but I know we all have things to do. So, um I hope you enjoy this conversation. I genuinely did. It was it was so fun to talk to Laura and um we talked about a lot of the stuff that we talk about all the time in the Facebook group, a lot of the stuff that you talk about with your friends, it's just a really relatable um, and, I guess, kind of comforting conversation to, to discuss this stuff in a way that we don't get to do with people who aren't in a similar position to us. So um, it's a real gift, I think, to have had this conversation with Laura and to be able to share it with you. Um, as always, if you are looking for more community and um I don't know, friends in the single space. Please consider joining the Facebook group for this podcast. I've linked to it below in the show notes. I've also linked to this podcast's Instagram. If you're not a Facebook person, totally get that. You know, it was a really quiet morning in Brooklyn before I pushed record. And then my neighbors, my cat and a construction crew across the street all decided that it was time to be super active. Um, I will be in a studio one, one day, you guys, I promise, that is that is on the list of goals, and I will get there, and you will have amazing sound quality to look forward to, and you won't be able to hear my cat jumping into paper in the background. Oh my God. Anyway, I'm so glad you are here and listening to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. I certainly do. And um, yeah, I'll shut up and start the episode. Can my cat also please locate some decorum? This I'm on the microphone. Mommy's working. My guest today is Laura Worrell. She is a writer, and I came across her work because of you guys. Someone posted, at least one of you, if not multiples, uh, posted her recent article on Huffington Post in the Facebook group, and I read it, and identified with essentially every word of it and knew for sure that she needed to be a guest on this podcast I will of course link to the piece so that you can read it if you haven't yet it is called I gave up on love and it was one of the best decisions I ever made it's on Huffington Post it is by Laura Worrell and she is my guest today welcome Laura
1: thank you so much for having me I'm excited to be here I'm so excited
0: to have you first of all let everybody know uh, what you do for a living where you live all that good stuff
1: Okay. So I live in Los Angeles. I've lived in Los Angeles for about five years. Before that, I was in Boston. I mentioned the cities because that might be relevant at some point. We'll see. Um, I know that they're tough cities, especially LA um, for dating. And I am a college professor, actually. So I teach freshman composition and intro to literature, all the classes nobody wants to take. I
0: love But I love
1: it. Me too. And I do a pretty good job of getting them interested because I'm so excited. Like, this is a poem. You should read it. And sometimes they actually listen.
0: So how long have you been a professor?
1: Uh, I would say about, I've been actually teaching for about 15 years. And I've been a professor for about eight years. I was a professor for a few years in Boston. And then that's what I have been doing for the last five years in L.A.
0: That's awesome. I love it teaching. I've, t- I've done like some casual uh, experiences with teaching, doing like adult education classes and stuff on writing yeah. and blogging and stuff like that. I love yeah. it so much. It's so cool. I, I- I, yeah.
1: I do too. And you know, it's funny, this week I was teaching, I teach an intro to poetry class, and they are non majors. So I've got a lot of fraternity brothers in my class (laughs) who are like business guys, and they wrote a poem and were so excited about it that I was tempted to like take a picture. I was like, I probably, this is probably inappropriate, but I really want the world to know that I got these fraternity boys to get really excited about a a poem they were writing. So it's great work. I do love it. I do, yeah.
0: And because I ask this of everyone, I I like to take everyone's temperature on like single life. I think I know where you stand because I read your work, but if you could give everyone just sort of like a high level, um, like dating history background and sort of where you are with it today, which we will definitely get into.
1: Sure. So, um, the nutshell is that I was kind of a late bloomer. Um, I didn't really date in high school. I was not a, a girl that boys liked, but then I, you know, I in college I was dating, and I kind of established a pattern that unfortunately continued for most of my life of being involved with men who um, were not gonna commit for whatever reason, and uh, then I did meet my husband, he was French, is French, and um, we were together for about seven years, so we met when we were 23, and then we broke up when we were 30, uh, amicably, and part of the reason that we broke up is that I felt like my life was about him and our marriage and less about me and the things that I wanted. And so, but I thought, well, of course I'm going to get married again if I decide I want to. Of course, I'm, that's what people do. You meet people, right? It happens all the time. And it didn't. Um, so I moved to Europe. Uh, I lived in Europe for about five years. And at first, I was just kind of having fun being single. Um, and then I met somebody who I really liked and thought, all right, I'm ready to to commit again and he was the first of a long line of men who were happy to to date or to be involved or to have a fling um, but not interested in committing and I did that for quite a while with, with a, a few different guys and um, dating and then I would say, Things started drying up a little as I got older. um, And I also just wanted something more. And uh, after coming to L.A., I really sort of extracted myself from those relationships that weren't going to go anywhere and decided I'm done with that. And I did date somebody very briefly here. Uh, Again, not somebody interested in committing. And then it's really been... It's been four years. I didn't want to do the math, but it's been four years since I've um, been involved with somebody. Uh, So I've been single, and it was excruciating for a really, really long time. And then I just started not wanting to feel that way anymore. And that's where um, I was already kind of on that track. And then I, I dated the guy incredibly briefly that I wrote about. And that was, as I said in the article, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So, I'm single, and I'm not you know one of the things that's always bothered me are all these ideas that like you're single, everything is fantastic, balloons and unicorns in your life every single day. That's not how it is, you know, there are hard days, but i i and i'm I'm not choosing to be single in that you know, no men for me. it's just that I'm single, this is my reality, I'm living it, and I'm gonna make the most of it. And since I decided to do that, I've been a lot happier. So so that's where I am.
0: I feel like we were meant to be friends. I know. It's very <laughs> much all I do with my time is what you yeah. just talked yeah. about and trying mm-hmm. to speak with other women who are ready to come to a similar place in their lives but are yeah. sort of finding yeah. it hard to get there. Um, I'm hoping that conversations like yours will help people get there because I feel like sometimes I don't always have the words to say how, how I got fed up with it, how I was tired of feeling bad all the time and how ready I was for a change. And you obviously know this in our, in our world, so often we're fed that the change that comes is a man and getting married right. to a man or having a committed relationship with a man. And if you can't solve mm-hmm. the problem that way, what are, what do you do? And right. there is something to do. And you've written very eloquently right. on exactly what to do. And um, I, right. I like having these conversations because I think the more we repeat it, the more we discuss it, the easier mm-hmm. it will be for other single women who are unhappy to sort of arrive at this place that feels so much better than sort of that like grind toward finding a relationship ever felt. Um, Yes. Yeah. So tell me, um, tell me how the piece I gave up on love came about. What inspired you to write it? And how did it, how did it come to be?
1: So I, um, as I said, I'd been single, so this, let's see. So I got, I met a guy last year, a friend set us up and at that point I had basically been single and like no one had been in my life for about three years. Before that, um, I mean, it had been a long time since I had really any kind of involvement. And so I was very excited about this person. We went out on just two dates. And again, I know that that's not anything to base entire life-changing decisions on. But it had sort of come at the point where I was already on the verge of just giving up. And we'll talk about what that means. Um, And then this guy came along. And it was, you know, we had two dates and they were the kind of dates that make you say, this could work. This is somebody I really like. This is somebody who seems to really like me. He seems available and present Um, as we are getting to know each other. He seems to want to do this. And I had that sort of initial excitement, as I said in the article that, and you know what, I'll just sort of flat out say I might repeat things in the article. This is my sort of, yeah, um, caveat for that. So anyway, yeah, so I thought this could be it. This could be the feelings I'm having and these initial feelings are similar to when I've met people who became important in my life, friends or romantic partners. And then he just, I guess, ghosted, disappeared. And what was strange about it is that we had the mutual friends, so it really didn't make any sense that he was was doing it this way. And I think what it was is that I'd been single for a really long time. At that point, I'd been single for 17 years. I got divorced at 30 and I was 47 when I met this guy. And I think I just felt like 17 years is a really long time to wait to meet somebody that I feel really could be someone I could have a relationship with. And I finally met somebody like that and even he's being a total jerk. (laughs) So why, I just don't want to do this anymore. And and you mentioned that what you just said was exactly how I was feeling. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to cry anymore. I don't want to wait for some person who's not going to call to call. I don't want to put any more energy into this. And I don't want people who are not nice or who are indifferent to sit across from me and make me feel bad about myself because I don't deserve that. I don't deserve your indifference or your cruelty, and I've got, I really do have better things to do. And that's, you know, we get little bumper stickers and buttons that say stuff like that, but it's really true. I have other things to do than sit here crying about this idiot, right, who didn't even have the decency to say, hey, I've got other things going on, I'm sorry. And so I decided to write about it because I wanted to give voice to that. I feel like there are lots of people, now I'm discovering, not just women, who are tired of being mistreated, who are tired of being alone, and who feel a lot of pain. And once I came to the decision to sort of make that emotional shift and felt so much better, I wanted to add this to the conversation we're having about relationships and and being single. So that was part of it.
0: And I'm really grateful that you did. I love when people tell these stories. I think they need to be told more Thank often. you. Yes, I do too. Um, for you, what does giving up on love actually mean?
1: So I think it's um, it's empowering to think of it like I made a decision. And to an extent I did. But the decision was more sort of not to worry about relationships, not to put any more energy into it, um, to sort of, and this, this is hard to do, and I don't think I made the decision to, to do it. It just kind of happened, but to kind of turn the valve of wanting and craving and, you know, striving for this, uh, and turn off the lens that made me look at every conversation, every event, every interaction as a, a possibility for love. Right. And So I made the decision to do that, but it wasn't the decision to say no to love, and in fact, it wasn't really a decision I could make. And I think this is something when we talk about later what what people should do if they're hoping to, to do something similar, is that you don't have control over it. You don't have control over meeting someone. You don't have control over someone coming into your life, falling in love with you, being in a place Uh, to make a commitment, making a commitment, and making you happy forever. There's there's nothing that you can do, really, to, to make that happen. Even online dating. We feel we have some power because we're online dating and we're swiping, but we really don't have control over that. And so I think part of it was recognizing that I don't have control and accepting it and deciding... I'm just going to live my life and do the things that I can do that make me happy. And I'm just not going to give that energy anymore. And that's, it feels very abstract and sort of self-helpy and especially in LA, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, but I think it really is. I was inhabiting the pain and the sadness and the desperation and it was, became so uncomfortable And I knew that the only thing that I could do to not feel it anymore was to just stop and to stop giving it energy and stop trying and trying and trying. With writing, for example, you can get better. You can meet people. Maybe this book isn't going to be the book that sells, but maybe the next one will. But with love and relationships, there really isn't anything you can do. You can't improve (laughs) miraculously and become somebody that everybody's going to fall in love with. So giving up was... I guess I, I use the analogy of like a marathon, right? I train, I stay in shape, I practice, I do mini marathons, but at some point, you know, I realized my knees are giving out, I can't do this anymore and I'm just gonna stop. And so that's what it, it felt like for me.
0: I did the same thing, I I did the mm-hmm. exact same thing in like uh, January of this year. I deleted all my dating mm-hmm. apps and I just mm-hmm. decided it was it was time to be done Forever yeah. because they yes. weren't serving me. I do a lot of right. like very LA esque woo-woo self-help shit as well.
1: <laughs> Good. So I can say that great. Oh, <laughs> please, yeah, all
0: you want. And I started doing a lot of it in January, and one of the very first like lessons that any of my work taught me was remove from your life what is not serving you. Right. And dating apps were never serving me, and I was on them for a decade. I never yeah. had one relationship result from them in an entire decade. And you really do start to see, like, this isn't doing anything. It's really not doing anything good. And in the worst case, it's actually doing me harm because I'm swiping for so many hours a week and I'm never even meeting anyone in person. What are we doing here? That sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, And then when you do meet someone in person, it's like, wow, this was an hour that I could have done yoga. I could have gone to the gym. I could have read a book. I could have written a book. (laughs) But I'm sitting here with you, you know, one of the things that happened to me, I didn't do a lot of online dating because I'm very old fashioned and not that I needed to meet somebody in real life, but I just, it made me, I even felt bad, like, oh, this poor guy and I'm going to (laughs) swipe on him his entire life. I'm just going to swipe. I felt bad about that. But the last time I went on a date, um, and it was within the last year, you asked about, you know, if I kind of peeked back in and I did once. And I, was, I went on a date with this guy, and he kept checking his phone. He kept looking at the pretty waitress at the bar. He didn't ask me any questions about myself. And I just wanted to say, do you know how lucky you are to be sitting with me? I'm interesting. I'm funny. And just because the balance is tipped, and I live in a city where everybody's gorgeous, you get to sit here and act like there's... There are a million places you'd rather be, and I don't deserve that, and I don't think you're that interesting either, but I would never make you feel that way. And so for me, it was, I'm just not doing that to myself. I am not allowing anybody to do that to myself. And I feel like I have a lot of girlfriends who are still dating online and very often coming home and feeling terrible about themselves, and... That's one of the reasons that I wanted to write this article. You know, we don't we don't have to do this to ourselves, men, women, anybody, you know. And being okay with single, being single is part of hey, it feels a lot better to be home alone doing something that you want than than crying about or or dying on the inside as you're having coffee with somebody who is already planning their next date.
0: Oh god, I've yeah, it's <laughs> that moment where you're on a date and you see their phone light up and they look at it with more interest than they're looking at you. It's like, yeah, I just don't, I I wish I could. I mean, maybe I don't, but I wish I could see a tally of all the hours I've spent on dates with men that led to absolutely jack shit. I would like to know just like an accounting of my dating history. I wish more than anything that I had kept a spreadsheet from like day one of being single to right now of all the swiping time and dating time and like fretting time over here yeah i wish i could see all of that just to sort of put things in perspective because all i have now is just like emotional weight and anecdotal evidence
1: yeah um but doesn't it feel good not to have that anymore doesn't it feel good for all of that weight to be off of you and for the time like wow i i can do something with this day i've got free time it's so precious yeah
0: we are doing right now what I chose to do with the time I used to spend swiping. I started the podcast exactly. and filled that time with something creative and hopefully helpful, and certainly community building around this yes. topic. Yes. Um, but in in service of that community, once mm-hmm. you once you figured out that you wanted to like give up on love, and I'm using air quotes for that phrase because like mm-hmm. I think you yep. can use it to mean many things. Um, -hmm. how did you put that plan into motion? Was there any sort of overt action or like thought pattern changing or, or anything like that, that you had to put into motion to really sort of like live this decision that you had made?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like there are two answers. The first I, you know, just practically speaking, um, as I said, I wasn't on a lot of online. I wasn't on a lot of apps. Um, and so I think there was one left in my phone. I will admit that I only recently totally deleted it. But I sort of, you know, everything that else, all the other sort of online or anything else that existed, I kind of removed. I told people, you know, I remember having the first conversation with my little group of girlfriends where they asked if I, they were talking about guys they'd met or were hoping to meet online and asked me, and I said, that part of my life is over. And I remember one of their faces like, what? And I was like, I'm sorry. It's over, and it felt really good to say, and especially after writing the article, and we can talk more about that later, people don't ask me about it anymore. And by telling people, I'm not that's not something I'm doing anymore, sure, you know, people are gonna have their responses, and they're gonna make faces, and it's gonna be awkward, but then those conversations are gonna end. And I think that's part of the anxiety and the shame that comes with this is that people are constantly checking in with you. You think they're pitying you. So communicating with the people in my life that this is not something I'm doing anymore and I'm cool with it, that helped. Um, And yeah, eliminating all those, those apps. But I think the other thing too is, um, you know, really the pain in all of its forms became overwhelming. It became too much. It felt like, you know, and maybe that's the biggest challenge is coming to the point where you have dwelled in the pain long enough that you're just done and you can't take it anymore. And I'll be really honest, it was so painful. Um, And I think that people who haven't been single long don't realize it's agony. Nobody's enjoying it. You know, and I think that I just came to the point where it's like I, I I just can't. I think it's like I assume quitting smoking like this is killing me. I've gotta stop. I'm throwing this pack out, and so uh, so there weren't necessarily practical decisions to make. It's just that I told people and um eliminated for the most part, except for the one dating app that I did eventually totally get rid of um, so. So it was mostly that there there weren't necessarily things to do. I think it is challenging to kind of flip that emotional switch. I think that's where the challenge lies. Um, you know, we were talking about new agey things. I had bought an extra toothbrush. I almost bought a uh, a, a, a second bedside table. you know that whole like you you pl- move stuff in your closet over to make space for that other person to put stuff oh, in your God. closet and I almost bought a bedside table but I did have a second toothbrush threw away the second toothbrush you know bought two more cups so I had four cups instead of <laughs> just two so that I could have company not just one guy yeah you know and just sort of emptied out all of the stuff in my life on my bookshelves that were about it and it's it's just done that's over and it sounds very dire and bleak but it's not and and because in part I think Something to remember around this dialogue is that it's not like you're saying, you know, I quit this job and tell everybody to screw off and you can never go back again. Of course you can still find somebody. Of course somebody can still come onto your path. It's just you shifting your perspective and the way that you live your life so that you can be happy and content until that happens or if it doesn't happen, enjoy your life. So... Yeah,
0: I know it's not bleak or dire, and you know it's not bleak or dire because we've sort of come out the other side and have seen how much nicer and how much more enjoyable single life is when you've made that emotional like flip switch. Yes, Um, your episode is going to run as everyone is going into the Thanksgiving holiday. And Uh one of the most common questions that comes up in our Facebook group is, what do you say to all of Mm -hmm. those people who are going to inevitably ask you like, so are you seeing anybody? And you've already given many examples of that that I Mm -hmm. think are incredibly strong. My question for you, because my answer to them will always be the same. You just have to say something. Saying something will always be better than saying nothing and then just smiling Mm -hmm. and nodding through it. But my -hmm. my question for you around like the response to those questions is – I know it's going to be awkward. I know it's going to be painful and I know that it's not going to feel good to do it the first time. Mm-hmm. But I want to know from you, do you think that it is worth sitting through that awkwardness and going through that um, that like
1: challenge? You know, I think I think you kind of have to for yourself because in some ways it's triggering, right? And I and I know that that, that word is used for much more serious situations, so I respect that. But every time, when you're, when you're struggling and feeling sadness around being single and alone, because there's a lot of pain in it, um, having someone and having people constantly come up to you and say, have you met anyone yet? Have you met anyone yet? Or telling you what you should do differently so you can meet someone is painful. It adds to it. So I think it's a, it's a way to protect yourself to say, that's not something I want to talk about. I just want to have Thanksgiving, or um, you know, like I said, that part of my life is over. That sounds very dramatic. Maybe I can deliver a line like that with, like, you know, a sort of "screw you" kind of attitude, and so nobody challenges me. But you know, something like, you know, I just, I just don't want to talk about that. Or I'm, I'm in a place, I'm in a place where I'm fine. I don't really want to get into it, but I'm, I'm happy where I am right now.
0: The saltier part of me wants to ask whoever is asking me that question, how happy their relationship is, because it's the same level of invasiveness. I fully acknowledge that I've never done it because I'm too scared and I really don't like hurting people's feelings. And I'm worried that it will, even though they've just hurt my feelings. But I have noticed that whenever I say a response that's got a bit more grace to it, um, Mm -hmm. I've, I've never had to do it twice. I've never had mm-hmm. to like remind somebody that this is no longer a cool conversation topic for me. So mm-hmm. I I do think it's worth it to put in that that extra like moment of discomfort to then mm-hmm. no longer feel it with that person ever again. Right. I right. think that's pretty important. Um but yeah, it's I, I want to remind everybody of that as we as we move into Thanksgiving, I, I won't be spending Thanksgiving with my family this year, I'll be spending it with mm-hmm. friends,
1: um, mm-hmm. which
0: I also highly recommend. It's so much fun. Um, yes, it is. Yeah. But uh, I'm curious, what has the response been to your article? I get uh, emails and DMS about my Refinery29 pieces all the time. I'm wondering what the response has been to yours.
1: I was expecting a lot of messages from people telling me, don't give up on love, there's somebody out there for you. Um, I didn't get any, I got two of messages saying that. Every other message I got from, from men, from women, from members of the LGBTQ community, from millennials, from boomers, everybody, including married people, said, thank you for writing this, you've made me feel less alone, you've made me feel validated, I am in the same boat, I'm considering giving up on love, or I gave up on love, or I'm in a lot of pain, and I realize there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that maybe I can come to a place where this is gonna be okay. I got so many messages from people saying that, and I will also say, connected to what we were just talking about, I got a lot of messages from married people who, and in fact, a lot of my married friends reposted my article on their um, on their Facebook pages and, and their social media pages because I think a they have compassion for their, the single friends who they they imagine are are struggling in some ways. But I also think, and that a lot of married people, um, well, let me say this: a lot of my married friends sort of came to say came to me to say, you know, the grass isn't always greener you know there's a lot about single life that those of us who are married envy and I think it goes both ways and I think that's something to hold on to and remember is that you know being lonely feeling disconnected feeling like your life hasn't worked out the way you wanted to is not something that only single people feel it's just life and so um one of the things that was really validating for me, I was very nervous, as I said, about uh, publishing this. It's, I feel exposed. I feel embarrassed. I didn't want any of that, oh, she can't get a man kind of stuff. And I didn't get any of that because there are lots and lots of people who are in the same boat. And that's what they were telling me. Um, and so I think that there's, there's comfort to be found in that. Um, because it's not just that there's something wrong with those of us who are single. Um, I did some research, 110 million Americans are single, and I saw a statistic, yeah, 110 million. And then I saw, this was from the census, uh, 2017 census, and then there was also a statistic um, that one in five people who are young today will have never been married by the time they're 50, that's a lot of people. So I don't think it's just, we're all the losers who can't find someone. <laughs> Something has changed. You know, there are a lot of single people. It's becoming normal in some ways. And so it's hard, but so is marriage. Yeah. So so is life. And um, for right now, this is the lot that we have been given. And uh, we can make the most of it. So... Mm-hmm. We have freedom in, in in being single and that's something to, to hold on to
0: i agree wholeheartedly with that mm-hmm. um i i have some concerns that the increase in the single population or the likelihood that more young people will not marry is um something we've done i'm a little worried that we have distanced yeah. ourselves from each other um, yes my favorite not that being single needs an antidote, but my favorite antidote to the pain associated and the shame associated of being single mm-hmm. is community. And yes. I think, um, the more we can do to build communities of people who understand our perspective, the mm-hmm. better. I mean, our, our yes. friends are only, I, I like to refer to like our single friends as the only group of friends with a hole in the bucket because yeah. people <laughs> will continue to partner. That's just the way that right. life works. Right. Um, right. So I've I've been steadily like replenishing my mm-hmm. female single friends. I mean, starting a podcast yep. on the topic it works wonders for that. I imagine, but I imagine, yeah, I think um, community is definitely the way that I see um, combating the the painful feelings associated with being single. I hope that we we get back to a place of less um, less phone reliance and more face to face connection between humans I have dreams Mm -hmm. of opening a nightclub that is 90s themed and your admission is your phone and if I catch you with a phone ever in my club you are never allowed back in like that's what I want so much but we'll see if that comes to fruition I'll throw that out to the universe and see what happens
1: I totally agree with you on that and and I agree that even though there is comfort in the in those numbers I think that there's something kind of scary about them too and I think you know talking about being ghosted talking about being treated in ways that are not very pleasant i think part of that is exactly what you're saying we feel like we are all disposable you know and i feel like the swiping culture and everything else allows people to or or makes people feel like it's okay to not be nice to each other and that it's not important to connect and that is so not true that you know it's so really scary. we need each other yeah we need people i agree mm-hmm
0: are there ever times where you doubt the decision that you've made and are there ever mm-hmm. times that you either consider reentering the dating space or putting effort into partnership or um, you know, are there ever moments where you, where you want to do that or where you actually have, have done that?
1: Um, so I kind of, like I said, made this decision about a year ago after I um, sort of processed what happened with, with that guy so it's been about a year and like I said I did go there was the one app that I was still that was still in my phone Um, it got to the point where they finally sent me a message and said we're not sending you any more matches if you don't (laughs) look at the phone and I said all right well good I I guess I'm in a pretty good place because I'm not even paying attention they're like harassing me to to look at them but um but I did, I did, as I said, go on that one date, and that was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm done. This is not what, what I want in my life. And so, no, I haven't doubted it. And I, I don't say that to sound like Superwoman, you know, I'm, I'm so, you know, evolved. I, I say it because, again, I, I feel like there really isn't anything that I can do you know what I mean? There really isn't anything to do differently to attract a partner. And as I said, you know, this is kind of interesting what what you were just saying. When I was growing up, you met people because you were living your life and you went to a party or you were at a bookstore and that all sounds so charming and old fashioned now, but that's the way that people used to meet. You just lived your life. And while you were Living your life, maybe you got lucky and found somebody special, and and I think that so many people, especially maybe with social media and stuff like that, are um, living their lives thinking at any moment somebody can come along. And I, I, again, I'm just not doing that anymore. And so I haven't doubted it. And as I said, I think the 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 switch that flipped was just. I'm not putting any more energy into it. And so, so no, that that doesn't sound like a very good or very cohesive answer. But yeah, there there really wasn't anything to doubt. And I think, you know, I loved the Huffington Post article and I think that title is fun. But I think it's somewhat misleading because I didn't really give up. I just sort of said, that's just not activity that I engage in anymore, you know, and so um, I, haven't, I haven't plugged back in. I'm not interested in plugging back in because it really does feel good to not um, think about it and worry about it and do stuff. And I see my friends struggling. I've gotten emails from people who, I, have a, I just got a, an email from a friend I haven't talked to since we were like third grade, and she, she emailed me because of struggles she's having in a rela- after a relationship ended. And it's like, I don't, wow, I mean, I'm sorry about that. But it feels so good not to feel bad anymore. And yeah. that just keeps me afloat. Because if somebody does come along and they are showing me, I really like you, I'm worth your time, that'll be fun. And I'll go ahead and do it. But... Anything else that comes, I don't see it anymore. And so it, it doesn't affect me. It can't impact me. And um, and that feels really good.
0: I think the title is cute, but I think in reality you had a lot more agency over that decision yes. than what the title yeah. makes. It's, this is the Internet, so they have to write something people yeah. are going to click on, I understand. Right. Right. But yeah. it, it seems like you have far much – you are at the helm of that decision,
1: and yes. it wasn't
0: – it's it's there's so much more to it and so many layers to it than just being done than just being mm-hmm. exas- ex- exhausted yeah. with that yeah. that whole life. Um, mm-hmm. I I get what you mean and I know I know people listening will fully understand that as well. Um, mm-hmm. What what has changed in your life since you since you made that decision?
1: I would say the number one thing, and if there was ever a reason to do this, it's that this I'm not sad anymore. I'm really not sad. I mean about that. there are plenty of other things to be sad about, but I'm not sad about that. Yeah. I'm really not. And now I can watch movies and I can watch the office repeats and not go, "Oh, Jim and Pam, where's my gym?" I can just laugh. You know what I mean. And i I don't cry about it. I don't I can go on social media and people are getting married and having kids and buying houses and going on vacations and I just scroll through like everything else. I can just be jealous about all the people who are getting book deals. That's enough for me, right? <laughs>
0: that is my whole day. You just described yeah. my whole day, although I no longer yeah. get jealous about them because I now know that they're just expanding my mind to possibilities, So it's totally fine.
1: That's a good point. And the difference is you can still get a book deal. You, ha- We have control over potential. Well, that's a little extreme, <laughs> but we can keep writing things and, and possibly get that book deal, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just, I'm not sad. And that feels good. And I went to a party or a really exciting event recently. And I had such a good time. And I didn't care who noticed me. I didn't, I had a really nice outfit. I got a bunch of compliments. And I wasn't thinking, great, who's who's going to start talking to me? Or I had conversations with men. And I just had conversations with men. And then I moved on you know, and that it just feels good. It feels freeing. And so imagine those of you out there who are suffering and crying and stuff like that. Imagine that that's just gone. That's that is possible. Imagine your happy days or your just sort of neutral days where you're getting your work done. You're doing things that you enjoy. You are worrying about things like, oh, I've got to figure out how to put a new roof on the house, that's it, right? Those are the things that you're thinking about and worrying about. Didn't those days feel better? And so part of it is just, and I know it's hard, just, you know, that's what's changed. That's That's what's good. And part of it too, as I said, I've always been very focused on my writing. I've been very disciplined. But now the hour I might have spent that day scrolling through Facebook feeling bad about myself or swiping on an online dating site or having coffee with somebody that I know I'm not interested in. I knew I wasn't interested in in him when I saw him on the app. So why am I having coffee with him? That hour, I can now write my book. I can now write a story. So whatever it is for you out there, that you could be doing with that hour or those hours or that the hours that you're sitting on your couch watching Netflix because you're sad. I've been there, right? You don't need to have, you can do other things with those hours. And so that much is, else. What I've retrieved, yeah.
0: So much else. So- I like to ask the Facebook group what they're doing today, like on a weekend or something like that, because I like to show everyone else who isn't responding all yeah. of the things that we're doing that have nothing yeah. to do with the husband hunt. You know
1: what I mean? Right yes i do yeah so
0: and people are doing some cool shit like it's amazing the best question i think i've ever asked the group was um what does everyone do for a living and (laughs) just hundreds of women responding with these careers
1: that are just mind-blowing
0: there's such cool single women out there to befriend it's kind of amazing
1: you know, it's funny. I was having—I have a lot of married friends, and all of them are wonderful. None of them are those married friends that are the horror stories you see in movies, asking me what my relationship life is like. But anyway, so I was talking to one of them, uh, and he was telling me about how, you know, for Christmas he's gotta go to his wife's house and blah and the family, and he doesn't like it. And he's asking me what I was gonna do, and I was like, well, you know. I was thinking I might go to Japan or Costa Rica. I also saw a really cool trip to Thailand. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I get to do whatever I want for every single holiday. You know what I mean? And, of course, there are days where I wish I could just go with my little kid and my family and have a nice dinner, of course. But there are pros and cons to both scenarios. And one of the great things about being single is that your time is your own. and And that's really... That's special.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. What is the best unforeseen consequence of giving up on love? What has happened that you were not expecting to happen?
1: Um, you know, I think that, well, maybe I can shift the question a little bit because I feel like the unexpected thing was, as I said, sort of the happiness and the, um, the lack of anxiety and sadness, and, and, and like I said, I really just moved through the world without any more anxiety or sadness around that, and, there, and it's freeing. But I think that what might be more interesting and helpful to other people is what I wasn't expecting from writing the article, which was all the feedback that I got from people. I felt really validated getting all that feedback that i got and the reason i mentioned that is because it does feel like you're the only one who's single you're the only one who can't find someone you're the only one this is happening to you're the only person alone on saturday night um and that is so not true like i said there are 110 million of us in this country right remember right doesn't the united kingdom has now the department of loneliness right it's a it's an Internet. You haven't heard that?
0: No. Yeah. The,
1: the Yes. Uh, the British government. I mean, let me I, I'm a professor, so I have to fact check. Right. And, and cite my sources. But they I believe they have a department of loneliness. I don't know. They've they've probably called it something fancier than that because it's a it's an epidemic, you know. And so having the response I got to that article made me feel less alone and even though, sure, when you're bringing your groceries home by yourself and your arms hurt, or in the case of me, your kitchen light is still not on because you can't reach it, it's broken, and at some point I have to pay somebody to come over and fix it, right? All of those moments are very hard, but you're not the only person living them, and um, there's just there's just something about that that makes, makes it okay. Um, and I think I think that's it. I think the freedom, the happiness, the lack of anxiety—that's all really nice. But I think what I got from writing that the article was realizing this is just there's just been a shift, and I'm part of it. And um, I'm in really good company. There are lots of us, and it's okay. So again, when you're alone, this is Saturday that we're actually we're talking on a Saturday, right? Um, if you're alone, hey. There are lots of you.
0: There are so many, and there yeah. are so many ways that we can fill the day that are yes. absolutely wonderful ways to spend your time. Yes. Um, this being one of them. Um, mm-hmm. What advice do you have for women hoping to sort of flip that switch for themselves and, and change their, their thoughts and their patterns and their feelings around being single?
1: Um, I think that, as I said, I, I think it's it's – Sort of challenging to answer because I do think that those feelings are overwhelming I have women in my life who are still single who've read my article who've talked to me who are Seeing my example who are watching me have fun at parties Even though you know men maybe aren't talking to me or whatever, but I'm still enjoying myself and um, Or that I'm talking to men and I can just walk away (laughs) from the conversation when it's over and not be like what should I go back should I you know I don't I don't do that anymore but they are those friends of mine are still stuck in it right so I understand that it's hard to flip the switch and I think the only advice that I could give is again sort of like smoking do you want to keep feeling this way and and part of it this is what I don't like about sort of self-help culture, that, it, that it, it tells us that there are specific steps to take to feel differently. And I don't think that that's true. I think that part of navigating this space is recognizing that you will not get to a point where every day is rosy and happy, that there will be days where you really are very sad that you're single there will be days where where life is still very very hard because you're single um and that's just part of it but you can reduce those numbers significantly if you just kind of accept i'm single i'm just single and uh i don't have to to worry about that here's the other thing and this is sort of connected to something else you know that that helped me, and I, I know you wanted to sort of talk about what I think people sh- wished people would know, is that it isn't you. Um, one thing that really helped me when I was struggling, there was a book, and I don't remember the name of it, but it basically listed all of the reasons that people give us for why we're single. You're too, you're, your standards are too high. You don't get out there enough. You have these, you know, hangups that you need to address. And what the book was saying is, none of that is true. So every flaw that you think you have, everything that you think you're doing wrong, you can think of many people who have those same flaws or who have done those same things but are still partnered. So it's not you. So release that. In fact, I don't know if you do book recommendations but I can try to find the book and send it to you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I'll do that. And. Um, So that's part of it, is telling yourself the truth, which is, this isn't about you. You're not doing anything wrong. You just happen to be single. And I think the other piece, I did, one of the many things I did when I was really struggling with this was was taught to a therapist. And one day she just said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. All of the things that you're saying that you feel as a single woman, my married clients say the same thing. And so you know, they feel lonely, they feel disconnected, they feel like people don't understand them, and they're living with the person who they feel disconnected from and lonely with. And so it's just part of life, I think, in some ways, that you're gonna feel the sense of, of loneliness and disconnection. And I think ignoring all of the sort of BS out there that's telling us you just have to do these three things or you have to change these things and then everything's gonna be fine and rosy. And just accept, all right, this is it. What can I do to enjoy these days? And, and, and you will find that there are lots of things.
0: Yeah, I agree. There are so mm-hmm. many things. There are fantastic mm-hmm. things. I, I mean, that'll be my last question for you, actually. What is your mm-hmm. favorite thing about being single?
1: Um, I've gotta say, uh, the time. I just love the time and, well, okay, so there are two things. Can I say two things? Of course you can. The first, the first is the time. Like I said, I really love that I can do whatever I want at any time I want. I can travel. I can, well, it goes without saying. Whatever I want to do, I can do. I have the time. But I think the other thing is that I can make decisions I'm the only one, I'll say it that way, I'm the only one who, has, who gets to decide what happens in my life. Something I mentioned in the, in the article, um, even something as simple as what I eat for dinner. You know, when I was married, sometimes my husband cooked and I was like, I don't want to eat that. But I had to eat it. I don't have to do that anymore right? I don't have to do that. I don't have to go. I know I have a friend who has to go on uh, vacations to where his husband wants to go. He doesn't want to go, but he does, right. Um, I get to choose. And, and that feels really good. I feel like and, and this is, is sort of part of what I guess I'm saying about control. All of the activities of my life now are things that I actually have some control over. I have some control over whether or not I move forward in my career as a professor. I have some control over whether or not I succeed as a writer. I can keep writing. I can keep trying to meet the right people. I have some control over where I, what parts of the world I travel to. I have control over my diet, how healthy I am, yoga. I, everything I'm doing I have control over, and so I can see the consequences, right, of my actions, I can, I can savor my triumphs, I can learn from my mistakes. But in dating and relationships, it was a crapshoot. And part of what was so uncomfortable and painful about it is that I was just left up to fate or whatever it is that's controlling our lives, or other people deciding that I was worth their time. And so to remove that, my life just feels much more full of possibilities and opportunities, and I don't mean that in a goofy self help book way. I really feel so much more progress and satisfaction and um, you know, and that makes it all worth it.
0: What would be the last thing you you wanted somebody to know if they're they're really ready to to feel better?
1: I would say that the best part of being single and the the trigger that you can use to make that change is to know with certainty that everything else you want out of life outside of the relationship is totally possible for you. And that if you Allow yourself to just face reality and accept it and know you're already surviving it. You are already dealing with and facing and thriving what you consider to be the worst case scenario of your life, which is being single. You're already doing it. You're already succeeding. You're already getting through. And so if you would like to really not feel bad anymore, shift your focus on the things, the other things that you want in your life, because you can have those things if you do the work and put in the energy and move forward and focus. And if you move away from the relationship stuff, that will give you the freedom and the space and the mindset and clarity you need to have all the other things you want in your life. And once you start getting them, you're going to feel really good. And if somebody else comes along, fantastic. But if not, you're having a satisfying, fulfilling life. And that's worth it.